You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. As Nottingham Forest moves six points clear of the Premier League relegation zone after a 1-0 win over Leeds United. Joining me to discuss the game, first of all, is a man who's learned to order a beer in all 27 European languages to be prepared for next season's Europa League campaign in Greg Mitchell. Morning, Greg. How are you? Great. Absolutely brilliant, obviously. Yeah. It was a good weekend. I'm sure. We'll talk about yeah. your weekend in a bit. And our second guest, a man who already knows how to order a beer in 27 languages, no doubt, having won the European <laughs> Cup twice in Gary Bertels. Gary, how are you? Yeah, great, thanks. Can't get the smile off my face. Absolutely, absolutely. Forrest flying, well, flying relatively high in the Premier League, exceeding all expectations after another great win at home. Greg, we'll talk about the performance, but just the results, where it takes Forrest, that gap to the bottom three means a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, and you look at the table and you, you see Crystal Palace on the same level as points as us and nobody's talking about them like they're a relegation you know, rival or anything. So it just shows where we are now. We're, we're a mid-table team looking at teams either side of us now, not just below us. So it was one of the biggest six-pointers of the season and we delivered. So it was just a perfect result. And the performance, Gary, was a funny game because in some ways I thought Forrest were not great and in other ways I thought they were really, really good. What, what did you make of it? It was a contrast of the two halves, wasn't it? You know, that proverbial game of two halves at times. Um, first half, you have to say, Navas, I mean, some of the saves, his positioning to make those saves was staggeringly good. And you can see why he's won what he's won, because he has been up there with the, the greats of the game in, in his position. And uh, I think that settled everybody down a little bit when you realise, you know, you've got somebody behind you. I mean, I played centre-half. Uh, towards the back end and at Forest, and uh, when you've got a goalkeeper behind you, you know is so competent. It gives you so much more confidence. And I just thought, you know, the back four were tremendous. I, I thought they'd handled things really well. Uh, McKenna, I thought, was outstanding. Um, it was just one of those nervy situations. Towards the end, I just couldn't even look at the corners they were getting. I was having to look the other way. It was one of those. It was that nervy. You know, one nil. You know, we had the chance where Nico Williams went uh, clear, but couldn't quite make it. Uh, Sam Surridge was putting them in the top corner from exactly where he put it over uh, yesterday. You know, it's one of those days where you thought it could be our day, but there again, you know, we we might just concede late on, but thankfully we didn't. And it's another clean sheet. That's got to be a, a huge, you know, boost for everybody because Brian Clough, you remember based his results on clean sheets. You know, that's, that's what it was built on. And if you can keep doing that, which we have done in, you know, a lot of games, then you're going to have a good chance of staying up. Um, Gary mentions Navas there, Greg. A few of us on the podcast were still, you know, debating whether it was needed to bring him in because Henderson's such a good goalie. And it looks like now he's going to be out for the rest of February. But Already, you can see in the first even five minutes why Navas was needed. That was as good a debut as we can remember, perhaps, wasn't it? He truly deserved man of the match, although the other performances were, were as good. Uh, he kept us in the game. You know, the saves he made, the first ever save for your home debut at the City Ground was a, an absolute goal saver. It was brilliant. He's uh, thinking, like uh, Coop said, his game management, just a, a clever, experienced pro. And Someone who, you know, the quality of someone like him playing for our team is just ridiculous when you look back at where we've been over the last few decades. So, yeah, just the perfect, perfect uh, 
debut for him and he's already in my fantasy football team. So uh, I'm sure there'll be a few more. <laughs> Just looking at the saves, uh, not we won't pick them all out, Gary, individually, but which was the most impressive one for you? Was it, was it that first one so early in the game? I think so, because everybody was wondering, right, you know, what's he going to be like? Um, you know, people are saying, well, he's going to be on big wages. All those sorts of questions are going to be asked. And, uh, you know, what's his desire? You always ask these questions as a fan. And I think they were answered very early on. And, uh, you know, he, he, you could see the confidence in the people in front of him. I go back to the keeper. I'm not just talking about the keepers I played with at Forest. At the back end of my career, I played, uh, you know, with Steve Sherwood. And, you know, he was a, a quality goalkeeper as well. And it gives you so much confidence as a defender when you've got that guy behind you who knows what he's doing and he'll direct things, he'll be vocal. And it's just so important. And I think uh, that that could be, you know, a masterstroke signing. You know, but like you said, you both said, we all thought, well, do we really need him? You know, is he going to be on a lot of money? But I think you saw, you know, what he gives. And uh, I think it's it's looking like a very, very astute bit of uh, business, without a doubt. Um, shout out to Forza before the game again. I'm not blowing smoke at you, Greg, as normal. But, you know, the banner was obviously brilliant. And it, uh, what, what, was the, what was the wording about the fortress exactly? Uh, on, oh, God, I'm going to get it wrong now. On, on this ground, Better we build our fortress. <laughs> um, what it is, is basically that was uh, the gatehouse of the... Uh, of the Nottingham Castle and a good friend of ours. I mean, Kags, who usually does our displays and puts so much work into it, just didn't have the, the hours needed this time. So we made a bit of a, a shout out and a good friend of ours, Matt Mitchell, delivered and he, he's a sign writer himself. So he does little little pieces of art. So this was a huge project for him and it just shows like the amount of effort that goes into it. He was working till five in the morning through the night, a couple of nights last week. Uh, that the hours he put in, and I'm just so pleased for him more than anyone that that we pulled it off really because it was a it was a mammoth display and those banners they're not they're not light they uh, they do take some organising so shout out to the Trent and again it was every brilliant. single yeah every uh, single that- time the Trent and deliver and help us so much so it was worth it and you know the message was there and the thank God the team delivered because we'd have looked a little bit silly so it's just perfect. But look what, you know, the saying goes, you know, get your home form, you know, make your, your, mm. your home ground a fortress. And, and that's obviously what we've done. Nobody likes coming to the city ground at the moment, apart from Manchester United, of course. Uh, but that's, you know, that was a semi-final of a cup. And uh, yeah, it's just not an easy place to come, as they say, you know, the old cliche. And everybody's saying that because, you know, we're doing particularly well at home. And that's a lot down to the fans as well. The noise they make is just incredible. We know what's coming before every game, but it still mm. makes the hair on the back of your neck go, you know, stand up because it's just so impressive and it, it can get to oppositions, I think, without a doubt. I felt like the start of the second half, I don't know whether it was because of the first half performance wasn't quite there, but there was a real lull in the crowd for probably up until about 55, 60 minutes. Then suddenly the Brian Clough's chant started and it didn't stop for about 10 minutes and then the crowd just kind of remembered why we're here and it just kept going and going and getting better and better. And you do hope, hope it helps them. And some of those new players, you you know, they're looking around thinking, right, this is a, this is a proper club. This is the real thing. 
Uh, I walked for a game with Matt actually. I didn't, I didn't know him, but he was, you know, introduced himself and good guy. So yeah, good to see him mm. getting some acclaim for his great work. Um, looking at, we'll come on to the rest of the first half. We're looking specifically at the goal. I mean, Gary, perfect person to ask about the technique of finishing a chance like that from a striker's point of view. Talk us through Brennan's finish and how impressive it was. Um, any striker will tell you, uh, whether it be Harry Kane or anybody, what a great finish that was. Everything was right. He didn't try and overhit it. He made sure he got over the top of it. He made sure he kept it low and, and hit the target. And that's that's all you can do. It was just an absolute sensational strike. I watched it again this morning. I wanted to get up and watch it again, uh, you know, just to see how good it was. And it was just the keeper had no chance because it was bottom corner. He kept it low. Um, and, you know, you, you give a goalkeeper a chance to save it if it's a little bit higher. Uh, you, you're thinking, going back to the Bournemouth game, when Gibbs White, you know, he, he struck it really well, but at a good height for the goalkeeper in the first half, and he saved it. You know, that the difference with Brennan's, it was just unstoppable. No keeper would have saved that because the power he had behind it was, you know, spot on. And the precision of it was spot on. Everything was 100% about that goal. Hmm. I think I saw a stat earlier today that said only Bakayo Saka and... Oh, another young player that's really good under 21 has scored more goals than Brennan this season. I might dig it out now, but just the evolution of the player, Gary, you know, it wasn't the greatest start to the season for him, but that was perhaps no surprise. But we're seeing what a player Brennan can be now, aren't we? Well, look, I've said this before. The Premier League is so brutal at times. It's not easy. I always say about, you know, people like Birdcamp and Drogba and, and people like that who came across, people think they nailed it straight away. They didn't. You know, because, you know, playing in the Dutch league and all that, it's it's not as frenetic and it's not as fast um, as the Premier League. The Premier League can be very, very brutal. It can be very chastising. It can, you know, it can drag you down. Uh, it's not easy at all. And you have to adapt. And I, I, not just Brennan adapting. I think the whole of the squad have adapted unbelievably well. I think they've learnt lessons really quickly and, if you don't learn lessons, you're going to be down at the bottom. Uh, but I think, you know, the lessons I've learned, I was, I was talking about McKenna's performance, you know, I, in the, the Bournemouth game at home, this you, you, we all remember, you know, what happened near the end. And he doesn't do things like that. He doesn't take chances like that. And, you know, it, it's sort of a learning curve for everybody in the Premier League, you know, manager, backroom staff, everybody at the club, it's a learning curve. And if you, if you take everything on board and you, you, try and put your mistakes right, which I think we've done brilliantly, then you've got a chance, without a doubt. Mm. Um, it was Martinelli, as Greg and Lou point out in the comments. So, yeah, uh, Brennan scored as many goals as Saka and Martinelli as the top performing 21-year-olds and under in the league, which is, which is great. The first half, Greg, what was it? Was it a nervy watch in the stadium? It felt, I mean, I was watching at home. It certainly felt like one. Forest weren't at it, really, even though they led, were they? Yeah, I've just, uh, I've just watched Cooper's post-match interview and uh, it was quite nice listening to him because he was trying to say that he's got to learn to, to enjoy the result and not, not look at the, the performance as the whole. And he, he said something like it felt like we had eight players in the first half. Uh, but I just think Leeds were, were really up for it and they, they do want the possession and they do want all that pressing and but they haven't really got the finished article and that's why they're struggling. And maybe Cooper knew that we didn't need the possession. We didn't need to panic. And when he made those tactical changes in the second half and it really did make a difference, but 
it wasn't a poor performance. We just didn't have a lot of the ball. And luckily, the defence and the keeper, you know, they had a back. So I wasn't too worried about it. And if you can win when your manager doesn't say we played very well, one of the, the worst performances I think he was hinting at this season, we win those games. That just gives me even more confidence. It really does. Mm. I'll go back to the two European Cup finals. The first one against Malmo, we were overwhelming favourites and we were disappointed on the day because Malmo made it so difficult for us and you were, we were all a bit flat when we, we'd actually won it after the game. The second one, we got absolutely battered. Hamburg battered us. You know, we, we were magnificent, but we won 1-0. You know, clean sheet both games. That's what it's all about in the end. It's the result. You know, and... <laughs> At this time of the season, you look at Brighton, Bournemouth game. Bournemouth conceded, I think, 88th minute, wasn't it, on mm -hmm. Saturday? You know, late on to lose it 1-0. You know, you're thinking... And then Wolves, you, you see Wolves beating Liverpool 3-0. And you think, well, you know, it, that puts more pressure on us yesterday, some of the results that didn't go for us. But the response, I thought, from everybody was, you know, tremendous. You know, it's not just individuals, it's a team game. And you have to go through to the end of the season, you know, with that in mind. You know, mm. yes, there's going to be outstanding individual performances, but Steve Cooper knows and the squad knows and they're taken on board. It's, it's not about individuals. It's about the, the team, you know, unit and, you know, the backroom staff and everybody. They, they all play their parts and uh, it's, it's great to see, you know, that six-point gap at the moment. A few people in the comments commenting on your fresh appearance, Greg. That's a compliment from the weekend you had. <laughs> I've had to have a share. Thank you. Uh, no, I've, uh, I've had quite a heavy weekend. Flew, to, du flew to Dusseldorf on Friday, watched the Dortmund game Saturday and with all our brilliant Dortmund mates. And, uh, so you had a few steins, did you? Oh, just a few, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you can drink in the stadium, which I never want to see in England. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just beer after beer and then the result was good. And then yesterday, somehow got home, very tired and dragged herself to the ground. So just the, the perfect result, really perfect weekend. But yeah, I've had a shave. Thank you. <laughs> good, good. Um, can you still hear us all right, Gary? Oh, I think we've lost your sound. I think you might have to, Gary, you might have to jump back out and come back in because I think you've got a call there. I have to edit this out in the audio version. <laughs> Do you know when Gary was talking about Malmo, it just reminded me in the pub after the game, uh, mm. talking to these two Swedish guys and uh, they'd come over for the Suns' first game. They managed mm. to somehow get tickets at 1pm before kick-off. <laughs> uh, and I was like, why do you support Forrest? And the dad says, oh, um, I hate Malmo that much. When Forrest played them in 79, I decided to support them. <laughs> so... <laughs> Strange how we get these fans, but they were lovely, lovely lads, both of them. Here's Gary. I'll add him back in if I can see my cursor. It's so sunny in my house. Can you hear us now, Gary? I can hear you, yes, loud and clear. On. Can hear you, can hear you well. Right, um, back to business then, Gary. Uh the halftime changes. I think I thought maybe I put on Twitter like maybe you take Danilo off and put Scarper on and you have wood through the middle and whatever. Cooper didn't do that. He made these Bolton, you put Nico Williams out to the left. Colback came on. Serge came on. It was Mangala and Danilo who came off. Were you surprised by the change? Not necessarily all of them, but Nico to the left was something no one saw, was it? No, I don't think they did. Uh, I wasn't surprised at the changes. I was, I was talking, uh, you know, during the game in the first half that you know things probably had to change a little bit half time. 
But how often do you see a manager wait till the hour mark, you know, the coaching manual hour to, unless somebody gets injured, to bring you change your substitutes? And I think Steve Cooper deserves all the credit for that, for saying, right, it didn't look right. It, it had to improve. And he made the appropriate changes, which I was delighted with, because Danilo looked like he could get a, a red card after, you know, the yellow he got. So you've got to be intelligent in that respect to, to change things. And it needed, you know, it needed something different. And I think that took Leeds by surprise, that change with Nico Williams. Uh, you know, you expect normal changes. And that wasn't a normal change. You know, it's it's one that probably surprised them more than it did, you know, anybody else. But it worked. You know, it gives you that pace. He'll tuck in. He's got those defensive qualities still. But he can still be a threat going forward. So, yeah, I, I was very impressed with the changes Steve made. Yeah, I mean, we saw yesterday, like, I was watching Man City straight after. And Pep left it to, like, he left it like an hour or something for, for De Bruyne to come on. I thought it was really strange. So, yeah, credit credit Cooper, certainly. Not that I know more than Pep Guardiola. Um <laughs> want to get your take on Williams, Gary. He seems to divide opinion a little bit. It was a sort of two games for him, right back and left wing. I didn't think he was too bad at right back. He made one really big error, but he had a really tough opponent one-on-one in the first half in Nonto, who looks a really real player. What, what did you make of Williams overall, Gary? I think in first half, definitely, I think he could have got a little bit tighter. Um, he was causing all sorts of problems down that left-hand side. Um, you know, great ability, um, his end product probably could have been a little bit better. But, you know, Nico's not been playing regularly. You know, he, he's come in, uh, Aurier's been playing. So it's not easy when you've not had that, you know, consistency of games to suddenly come in and then, you know, play against somebody like him who's so tricky. I mean, I can remember I had to go to fullback years ago. Brian Clough asked me to play uh, down at Southampton against Danny Wallace. And I thought, yeah, I can play centre-off. Left, left back must be easy. He turned me inside out. Absolutely. And uh, the ignominy of it all was I got uh, substituted. It was a windy night. Uh, the ball, I went to head the ball and the wind held it up and bounced and smashed me in the face. And, then the, number, <laughs> and the number three came up and that was it. I was off. So it's, it's not easy when you've not played you know, for a while or not in you know, that position or whatever. So I think full credit to him yesterday. Mm. Uh, and Aurier, Greg... A couple of rough games for him. He was um, he didn't start at Old Trafford. I think Cooper had said he wasn't 100% fit. And maybe that was the case again in this game. But I don't know whether it was a, a boot at the backside he needed. But he, he was back to his best, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was one of the players that helped us get it through yesterday, wasn't he? I thought Aurier, I thought when Nico moved up to, to midfield, he did a great job. And Colback, for me, Colback was arguably man of the match the way he changed it. I just thought... The second half, we got our act together. Players, when players like Aurier play well, it helps the others play well with more confidence. And I think that was a, the perfect example yesterday. So, yeah, they, they, they got the result and they sorted it out in the end. Mm. We don't mention Bolly either. I think that, that yeah. combination there. I think the two of them, you know, complemented each other. And they're not making mistakes that we probably made uh, in the first half of the season. I think that you know you're cutting those errors out, and you know, like I say, you've got to learn. It's a hard learning curve, and you know, if you do it, you take it on board, which I think we have brilliantly. Um, you know, you can see the differences. Mm. Uh, was McKenna's best game in the Premier League as well, Gary. I think he's one of his best, yeah, without a doubt. You know, the con- it's all about concentration for me at that highest level, and if you if you switch off as a defender, 
then you're going to get punished easy. You know, it, the Manchester United game, some of the goals were, you know, avoidable. Um, and, and that's only lack of concentration sometimes. Um, just, you know, focus for 90 minutes. It's a tough league. We've, I've said that again and again, and it won't get any easier. You know, we've, we, we are six points clear, but Steve Cooper won't be telling his players that, that, you know, we've got to go out with the games coming up, some important games coming up. We've got Fulham, uh, who's true with Chelsea, not an easy team to beat, as we saw early in the season. Um, I think the worst signing for us uh, at the transfer window was Sean Dyche going to uh, Everton because you, you saw what he did, you know, the first day, and that's no fluke. Um, you know, it's not because Arsenal, you saw the Manchester United game, probably the best Premier League game this season. You know, how, how difficult Manchester United made it for Arsenal. So, you know, that wasn't a fluke, fluke result. Sean Dyche can make a difference, can get results. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't write Everton off. Um, so, it's, there's still a hell of a lot to play for. Um, but, you know, the way we're going about it, the way Steve's going about it, he, you know, despite not liking the performance, he'll be delighted, absolutely delighted. Do you think, uh, we'll come back to Forest just specifically in a sec, obviously, do you think Bournemouth and Southampton, is it too early to say they're, they're down, Gary? It's always too early to say you're down. You know, you win three games and all of a sudden you're putting pressure on the teams above. You know, we saw Southampton in the semi-final against Newcastle. Everybody thought it was going to be a lot easier for Newcastle and it wasn't. Um, I think it was a surprise they, uh, you know, they lost so easy at Brentford, to be quite honest. Um, but you saw what Bournemouth did at Brighton. You know, Brighton, one of the form teams, you know, 88th minute, you know, it took them to to get that goal and uh, beat them. So, yeah, you know, when you're battling down at the bottom, you become a very dangerous team because nobody wants to get relegated. You know, and it's people say, well, you're playing the bottom teams, it should, you should win this. Don't even think that way because they don't want to go down any more than we do. No. Nathan Jones does sound like a lunatic in his post-match press conference today. If anyone's seen that, yeah. he sounds like he's really struggling. Although I saw today he might be on his way, which doesn't doesn't surprise me. Um, back to the game, Greg. You mentioned Colback. Obviously, like Lewis O'Brien, it feels really unfortunate that as it stands, well, he's out of the 25-man squad and he might not get six months of football as Forrest can get a loan abroad. But did we see kind of why Colback's favoured above him at the moment, that, that experience and that kind of streetwise nature that he showed the second half. Absolutely. And do you know the, the worry with Colback for me, and I know it is for a lot of fans, is you always think he's going to get booked. The way he tackles, the way he hassles players, it's all over him. And especially these Premier League refs who are just a nightmare. You think he's going to get booked. And he just got it perfect yesterday. He was Leeds had so much possession. Colback was always on him, always at the feet, getting the ball back off and laying it off. Just constant the energy. He was brilliant. Like I, I think that was Colback's best performance for us. I genuinely do. I thought he was brilliant. Really got at them. Didn't give them a minute when they had the ball because, like I say, they had a lot of it. And like I say, I'd have, I'd, I'd have given him man of the match. I would. And obviously Navas deserves it as well. But he, he just really was a great performance. And sadly, that's why you know O'Brien's not going to feature for us again this season. This twenty-five man thing. It is a bit cruel, but. Yeah, he's going to struggle to get somewhere, isn't he? Unless he's willing to to get get on a flight, unfortunately. But it just shows the strength in our squad. It's going mm. to be, isn't it? Next man up and things like that. It's a it's a cruel game, and it hasn't worked out for him yet. But it doesn't mean it won't next season. Do you think there's a bit of callback snobbery, Greg? In that he wasn't first choice last season with Garner and and Yates in the central midfield. So Forrest came up, and he's coming on at Bournemouth and. 
yeah. against Bournemouth Forest. Like, oh, why are they doing that? And kind of underestimating the quality that he actually has uh, in the Premier League. Are people kind of don't, don't know what Gary's up to? He's moving. <laughs> all right. Um, I've just, I've just, I've got to just adjust something in the room. That's all. Okay. Well, Greg's on full speed anyway. Callback snobbery. Do you think, Greg? Anyway. Yeah, not anymore. I think there has been from all of us. And, you know, when you see that, that squad list, you think, oh, there's a space for callback still. Because, I mean, there was even talk about this might be his last season. So if it, if it was, which I blooming hope it isn't, because he's clearly got so much more left to give, then it like what performances he's putting in, like his energy levels. Because I know when he originally came to us, I don't think he was 100%. And he's one of our longest serving players now, which is crazy. Uh, the energy is putting in his performances. He's a he's a true Premier League player, isn't he? Which was proven mm. in the forty five minutes yesterday. Mm. I think you go back to a film of Clint Eastwood, the Dirty Harry films. A good man always knows his limitations. <laughs> and I, I honestly think you know Jack realizes what what's needed from him. He mm. just goes out and does the easy thing. He gets it, wins it, then gives it to somebody who can then step it up to the next you know level that needs to be. You know, I think you've got to realise your own limitations at times. And, you know, if you if you can do that, then it, it's a real quality, you know, not to go and overestimate, you know, yourself and think you can do something that doesn't come natural to you. So I think he deserves a great amount of credit. I'm changing gears slightly. I want to get Gary's take on um, the strikers, Wood and Surridge. Wood's first home game, you know, I don't think he played well. I mean, what was your take on him, Gary, before we get into why he didn't play well, if you didn't think he played well? Well, as any striker will tell you, you're beholden on supply. And we all know what his, uh, you know, his strengths are, what sort of supply he needs. And the one thing that I found strange is that I would like to see when the goalkeeper's got it, Aurier on one side, because Aurier does well in the air, he gets a lot of flick-ons on the other side. Why not put Wood there and and uh, Brennan playing off Wood instead of the other way around? You know, because you know, with with all what Brennan offers to the team, you know, in the air is is not one of his great strengths. Um, but you know, Chris Wood is like that, so that that baffles me a little bit. But that can be tweaked. Um, but if you buy somebody like that, it's like Kiefer Moore. You know what Kiefer Moore does, and you supply Kiefer Moore with what you know he can hurt the opposition with. Uh, it's difficult for him coming in when he has uh, into the the way we play, the way we set up, because, you know, we, in the first part of the season, it was Lingard, Gibbs, White and Brennan. You know, and that's, that's changed and it's looking better for the change. So, you know, to come in when he did and, and to get comfortable quickly is not always easy. You know, he's probably used to different service, um, but, you know, he's he's one of those who will give you an outlet and uh, he, he will be good within the dressing room, within the squad. And, you know, he's only played is it two games Yeah, because he, he couldn't play in the cup games because of the Newcastle tie. Um, yeah. So he's only, he's only had two, two starts. So early days. Mm, it was a bit weird. They kept kicking it on the fullbacks and never once to wood. I did find that strange. I mean, do Forest, Forest have got a set way of playing Gary. So do they have to change it to get more out of wood? Can he actually, perform in this set up the way of playing that's the only thing I'd change mm. you know the, the, the kicks from the goalkeeper into wide positions you'd rather have him attacking it and then Brennan just gambling and playing off him than the other way around it, it just doesn't make sense when you've got somebody over six, six foot uh, six three is he something like that mm. you know when you've got somebody who, who can do that you know do it and, and 
switch it around a little bit. But maybe that'll happen. But, uh, you know, he's always good to, to have around the place by all accounts. And when stuff does come his way in the box, we'll see that maybe going towards the end of the season, he, he could become a very important commodity for us. I suppose one thing that highlighted Wood's struggles on the day, in a sense, Greg, is that I thought Surridge came on and he looked really bright again. But then, in a sense, is that the point of the subs that you come on for 20 minutes and make an impact? The first thing I thought of and a few people said in the pub was how strong our bench looked. I think for the first time in a while as well, we'd, we'd got real strength and depth on the bench. And, you know, with Worrell and Yates to come back as well in, in probably sooner rather than later. And having Surridge on the bench, I know he had such a good chance to score yesterday, but on another day that goes in because he is one of the best, you know, target shooters in, in our team, I think. So, yeah, it's just those little bits of quality, certain situations, a bit like Nico, not going to play 90 minutes every single game, but when they are either starting or come on, you've you've got confidence in them now and the system's tweaked a little bit for them and it, and it works. So I love having Surridge. I genuinely thought in December he'd be one that goes out on loan and again, it's being proven why Steve Cooper realised that we couldn't do that. I think the, the thing about uh, Sam is he's so mobile. Um, he, he'll win you things in the air. And what I like about him, he backs in. He backs mm. in defenders. And there's one thing a defender hates more than anything is a striker will do that. Makes it uncomfortable. Stands on your feet. And Sam does that. And, you know, he will hold it. Although a couple of times late on, uh, he held it on really well and then gave it away. But, you know, apart from uh, those two little incidents, uh, you know, when he came on, he made it difficult for them at the back. He made it difficult for them to play out, you know, because he is mobile. He will go across the line. He will, you know, try and close things down. So, yeah, it's, it, everybody's playing a vital part at the moment for me. And, I mean, I would stick with Wood in the starting lineup because he, he looks like he needs games. Would you still go that way with Sam coming off the bench, Gary? Uh, anything that works and is working, I would stick with mm. um, because... When you're getting one nils, there's no finer feeling than um, winning a game one nil with a clean, you know, clean sheet. It's, it's just you know one of those things that, yeah, we all like to win four or five nil. But when you're playing against the teams around you, that's the important thing going towards the end of the season. We'll get the, we'll, we'll have the Man City game, we'll have the Arsenal game later on, we'll have Manchester United. They're all bonus games if you get anything. The important ones are the ones. You know, when you're playing teams around you, we've got Everton coming up, we've got West Ham coming up. You know, it's it's those games where you, your season can be defined. And, you know, the glory games, don't worry about them. It's mm. the, the ones around. If you're picking up points, and that's why it was so important yesterday, beating Leeds United, because, you know, they were desperate for the points as well. And uh, they didn't get them. The other thing I wanted to get your take on, Gary, from the game was the, the first half midfield. I mean, I thought Freud had another really steady game. Danilo, it wasn't his day. Was Mangala a bit lucky, unlucky to come off or were you, were you were you not too impressed with his first half? I think he was probably the better of the three. Um, yeah, it was... I, I, sometimes, you know, I watch Freuler and I think he just he drops and he's playing like right next to the centre-halves. You know, taking it off the centre halves. It's, uh, but you know, he's, he's, how many caps has he got for Switzerland? Uh, you don't have that many caps if you know you don't deserve them. So obviously, sometimes I think you know what, what has he done today? But they're the they're the players who go maybe get un unnoticed a little bit. 
who actually do things that pe a lot of people don't recognise. His positional sense probably is one of his strengths. I don't think he gets drawn out too, too often. And to have that just in front of the back four is important as well. You know, we all know in world football how important those sort of defensive midfield players are. Uh, and they don't often get the credit they deserve. But uh, I thought yesterday, I thought Mangala was probably the, the better of the three. Uh, I don't know. It's difficult for him because he's coming into a, a, the Premier League a game where it's so difficult to adapt straight away. And, you know, you, it's, it's fast, it's frenetic. It, it, it's just totally different to anywhere else in the world. You know, every player will tell you that. And, uh, you know, you just don't make it overnight. You saw flashes from him that you think, yeah, he, he could be good, but you don't get any time on the ball. They put pressure on leads. You know, they, they recognise key players. They recognise players who can make things happen. And they don't give you time to do it. No good side gives you time to do that with your, the players you've got in your team. So, again, it's a learning curve for him. And it's got to happen very quickly. Scarpa mm. looked OK. You know, um, I thought he'd come on. But um, he, he looked totally different. He looked comfortable in the way he goes about it. But uh, I, I think the squad now is like, you know, we've just said, he's, he's, it looks strong. The bench looks good. Um, and, you know, people give a stick about 29 players and all that. But I think some of the other teams wish they'd assigned that many players. And you've got to give the owner credit for that, for giving Steve the wherewithal to, you know, bring players in. Yeah, and you see that unity, Greg. I, mean, I guess you might have seen the dressing room videos afterwards, the players celebrating. I mean... I think that's all credit to Cooper, really, to make a team out of this disparate group. It's a, a, a miracle job, really, what he's done. Gary, Gary's right back in the owner, but for Cooper to meld them together is just unbelievable the way he's done it. And it's, uh, it's putting other team's fans on strings again, isn't it? We're doing very good. well at that. Wolf I look fans, back yeah. at how sad I was after uh, Leicester away, and I genuinely thought that was the last time we see Cooper and they're going to make the wrong decision, but... All credit to them. They they realise that it, it could work and it might work. And he's proven us so right, isn't he? Since December, I'd, sorry if you were going to say this, but uh, since Christmas, is it we're top of the form league? You've got mm. Liverpool bottom of the form league. I know we spoke about six points off relegation, but we're five points off Liverpool at the minute. And if it keeps going, you know, we could overtake a team like that. That'd be massive for us in a first season. And you just think back to to games like like the Leicester game and where we thought it was going wrong and how he's changed it so quickly. He's just fantastic and, and long may it continue. I, tell you, I was watching both managers yesterday and the difference between Steve Cooper and you know Marsh, it was just, he was like a jack-in-a-box all over the place, mm. complaining, moaning. And, and I watched Steve, just got his hands in his pockets, just standing there. Just, you know, he got annoyed a, a couple of times when, you know, basic mistakes were made. You could see that. But, you know, I, I think the calming influence he gives everybody is, uh, you know, something to behold, really, because, you know, you, you can get distracted as a player if you've got somebody jumping up and down on the touchline and giving you a stick all the time. He doesn't do that. He, you know, he waits for the dressing room, you know, and that's how it should be. You know, we always said as players, never give each other stick on the pitch. If you're going to do it, do it behind closed doors in the dressing room at halftime. We had big, strong players, you know, in, in our day, but they they left it until they got in the dressing room to vent their anger, um, you know, when when it was needed. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting comparison yesterday between the two of them. I think... Um, I was just going to say, 
I think with Steve Cooper as well, he's still learning. He's still a young manager. He's not got the experience of the majority of these Premier League managers. To give him a full season and a full pre-season next year, it's been a long time since we've had a manager that's that's been given that. Uh, so, I mean... <laughs> I'm even more excited about what he does after having a full season with most of this squad, seeing what happens next season and, and goes again. So we're so lucky to have kept him. We're so pleased, obviously, that it's going the way it is. And these this run of games we've had was always the games where we had to pick up some points. I don't think any of us, even me, thought we'd get 11 of them. Uh, so now we've got... A we've got a couple of games where it's a free hit for me. I think Fulham's arguably... It's crazy to say this, but it'd be as impressive to pick up points at Fulham as it would Man City at home for me at the minute. And these runner games has given us that little bit of freedom and, you know, a little bit time to relax. It's not so desperate going into these games now. So it was critical that we got it and we've delivered and we've done it. So I'm just delighted. Mm. You know what Steve Cooper doesn't do? He doesn't overcomplicate things. Mm. That's, that's the beauty. People say, you know, what comparisons with Brian Clough. I think he gets the players out on that pitch with the, the clear minds, empty minds. And that was the beauty of Brian Clough. He used to go out there completely clear of anything else. He didn't have, you know, he didn't give you, you know, drills to think about and remember. He just trusted you to go out when once you he picked you in your position to go out and do what you had to do. And I think Steve, you know, is, is pretty similar in, in that. I think the players look comfortable out on that pitch, doing what they're actually doing. And, you know, that's that's massive as a player. You know, you, you can't praise managers highly, highly enough who do that because you go out feeling a million dollars. You don't go out on that pitch befuddled with all, you know, what you have to do, what you don't have to do and all this. You know, once you're picked, you go out there and you're told what, you know, you know what you have to do, pure and simple. Mm. That Fulham game is an interesting game because they look really good, but I've watched the last couple of games on Sky. They don't look like scoring a ton of goals if Mitrovic isn't on it. So, yeah, it's an interesting game. A, a point there is a, a, a good result for sure. Um, we haven't mentioned Morgan Gibbs-White, even though they won. But, uh, I mean, first half, he he looks a bit rusty, Gary. But the second half, we saw those flashes of individual brilliance that he, he brings and he elevates Forrest still, doesn't he? I think he's got better and better as the season's gone on. Um, you know, he... It's a lot on your back when you, you know, you the expensive signing, as I well know, um, and I think he's, he looks like he's he listens to, you know, what he's told, and he goes out and that he produces on a regular basis. It goes back to the consistency thing, you know, great players don't get better; they get more more consistent, and I think his performances show that, um, and I think what he what he offers you, uh, he does the basics very well, but when it, when need be. He does the little flicks. He does the little tricks in the right areas, you know, where it can hurt the opposition. You know, sometimes I think that was the the goal. Scarper at Manchester United tried to flick it, and the next minute with uh, was it three nil down or two nil down, you know, I, uh, and that was in their half. And within you know thirty seconds they'd scored, you know, due to a, a flick which wasn't quite on the edge of the box. It was probably just five or so yards inside uh, their half. So, you know, it's, it's where and when you do your trickery. And I think he, he, he does that in the right areas. But he sees the game particularly well as well. You know, he can pick a pass. He's got great awareness. He'll have the ball in a tight area. He's not, you know, frightened of that. 
And when you've got somebody like that, it lifts everybody around you. And, uh, you know, he's, he's been impressive in that respect. Do you have any worries about the collective lack of goals in the side, Gary? I know Forest, all Forest wins are 1-0 and Sky put up the stats around touches in the box, shots on target, etc., etc. Forest are 19th and 20th in all of them. Does that bother you at the moment or not? Not an iota. I've always been a hater of stats because they mean absolutely nothing at times. You, you can possession stats. You can you can spout about that all day. If you got you know your centre half are passing it square, 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 back, back, back. Sometimes the goalkeeper has more possession than anybody else, and in in the stats run, I mean it's absolutely ridiculous. It's about what happens in the end product, and yeah. Some stats are important, but the possession stats are a load of rubbish. Sorry. Greg agrees with that. <laughs> yeah, don't tell my Brentford mates. They won't be happy about that. But do you know it's nice not to be able to not to have to have the rant about VAR this weekend, so we can do it about XG instead. Match of the day. The blokes in the studio on match of the day talking about it like they realise what they're on about. It's as useful as these blooming offside lines in VAR. There you go, I'll talk about it again, but it's just ridiculous. Who cares what we should have got? Leeds, apparently, they're on about. I can't believe I'm even giving it time. Leeds, apparently, uh, since Christmas, XG has beat every team they've played against. They haven't won one of them. It does not matter. I don't care. Was it this the expected goals thing? Yeah. yeah. What are the old all about, by the way? <laughs> expected goals? It's just missed chances, isn't it? That's all, basically. Yeah. Can you, can you get a barn door? It's not for me. No, no. Well, I do think Forest are going to have to score more goals eventually, but I think this season, get through this season and then evolve the team, but they're doing great at the moment. Which brings me on to my last topic I want to ask you about. Uh, Greg's not necessarily the right person to ask about this in terms of ambitions for where Forest should be I looking you for. talk about drinking lager again there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm retired. <laughs> where should Forest be looking at this season then, Greg? Is it, I know they're 13th now. Because I still think 17th is brilliant, stay in the league. You're the ultimate optimist. Have you gone beyond that already or not? Yeah, I think we're in that mid-table pool now. Like I say, Palace, they're, they're not being spoken about like this team that's going to struggle and, oh, are they you know, going to be in the drop? We're in that mid-table pool now, as far up as Liverpool. You know, five points away, they're not playing very well at all. And for me keep beating the teams around us and we end up being around those teams right nearer the top. I think we've gone, the Premier League split into three, isn't it? And I think at the minute, how we've done after Christmas, we're in that middle block and the table doesn't lie. We clearly are. What about you, Gary? Have you got a counter-argument to Greg or do you agree? No, I, 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 I agree with that. It's It's... <sighs> Where we were 18 months ago, 15, well, how many months ago, bottom of the championship, when yeah. Steve Cooper came in and where we are now is just staggering. I don't think a lot of people take that into consideration, these pundits. They just look at the basic things of not how the involvement of, uh, of our football club has, has materialised and the way it's, it's been done by, you know, an excellent manager. You know, it's always about the, the top teams, you know, uh, the game yesterday, Tottenham, you know, uh, Harry Kane breaking Jimmy Greaves' record, which is rightly, you know, an unbelievable achievement because Jimmy Greaves was an unbelievable player. Uh, but I think sometimes, you know, we get a little bit ignored maybe because the, the games aren't spectacular, you know, like the Arsenal-Man United game was. But we, we're doing a job. Everybody said we were going to go down. You know, when we came, we, before a ball was kicked, 
we were one of the favourites to go down, you know, in the pundits' eyes. So, uh, you know, we're proving them wrong. And we talk about Crystal Palace, Greg. You just talk about them. Apparently, they were a bit unlucky, even though Casemiro got sent off. Mm. You know, they gave Manchester United a real game. You know, and we beat them 1-0. Again, yeah. we won 1-0. There's nothing wrong with winning 1-0. You know, and if you get, if your goalkeeper makes some great saves, that's what he's paid to do. You know, that's what goalkeepers are paid to do. Stop the opposition scoring. So, you know, sometimes I think, you know, the over-egging of puddings is crazy from pundits. You know, they, they look too far into it. It, it goes, you know, they over-egg pudding so much, it's crazy sometimes. Go back to the basics. If you're doing the basics well, you've got half a chance of staying up. You know, well, that's we, the basic. we weren't doing the basics very well earlier in the season. That's why we were getting beat. That's why we lost to Fulham and Bournemouth by the odd goal, because we weren't doing the basics right. We'd have won those two games now. We wouldn't have lost those two games now. Not a chance. And that, that's the difference. And that's why I'm mightily impressed with the way the players have taken everything on board and that they've changed that round. Instead of, you know, making those mistakes, we're not doing that anymore. You know, we, you're always bound to make a mistake. Even the best players in the world make mistakes. Um, but, you know, we're making less of them and that wins your games and that picks your points up. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, commentators did say something useful that I liked actually on Match of the Day, that um, nine out of the 11 home games this season we've scored first. And everyone says home form keeps you up, and that is an incredible stat for a newly promoted team. Mm, yeah, and it's not even like Gary was saying where we were a year ago. I mean, if you look at where we were seven games ago, I think mm. they had 10 points, and now they've taken 14 points from seven games, which is, you know, that wins your promotion in the dark days of the championship. So it's unbelievable <laughs> the turnaround there's been. Uh, it's hard to hard to fathom, but hopefully it continues. Uh, I think we covered all the ground. We wanted to get through there. Any other business, Greg? Anything you want to add? Couple of things, yeah. Go on. Uh, do you know when people come up to you and say, "Oh, this that"? A couple, I could hear a couple of my mates speaking about the podcast in the pub, and I was like, "What are you laughing at?" And they're about, "Oh, uh, when we listened to it, both of us watch it in the bath on a Monday night." <laughs> shout together. out to Geordie jo- and Steve and uh, enjoy your bath That's tonight not, yeah, not That's together, it. don't get any soap in your eyes and uh, the other thing was the National Rail lads my uh, mates in that great band that I keep plugging uh, their lead singer's a Leeds fan and they all came in the pub after the game all excited and he was supposed to meet them and he, he never turned up so I think they were worried about him and just wanted to make sure Cass had uh, made it home safely because they were looking forward to seeing him well, it's good to hear people enjoy watching the podcast no matter the location. <laughs> Gary, anything you want to add? Uh, just it was really lovely to see one of their great players, uh, the ambassador for Leeds, uh, Eddie Gray, yesterday. You know, when you think about that great Leeds team, you know, with, you know, the Billy Bremners, Johnny Giles, all that team. And he's, he was there looking as youthful as ever. Um, was with his brother Frank uh, for John Robertson's uh, birthday the other week. Great to see them, and uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 always nice to bump into, you know, people as talented as him because he could play by the way. Mm. I've got two. I wish Mikey was on this week because he works in this field around call centres. This is a minor gripe. Why do big companies make it so impossible to speak to a human being on the phone if you've got a problem? I needed to speak to Sky to fix my TV or my broadband, a bit of both, and I went twenty minutes going round in circles, being directed around these web questionnaires. And then when I finally got a number, I had a right go at this poor woman on the other end of the phone, which I felt really bad about, but that drives me mad. 
And then the other one, totally contrasting, different thing is uh, a shout out to Patrick Bamford. I thought it was a very yeah. classy touch before the game with the flowers for Nigel Doughty. Obviously, he was his uh, godson and close family friend. A huge loss to Forrest 11 years ago. So fair play to Bamford for that. He's obviously a good bloke and uh, wish him well at Leeds. Wouldn't mind seeing him back at Forest one day. I think he's a good player. Can I just add to that as well, Matt, that um, Michael and Helena were there yesterday in the family and I think quite a few close friends to Nigel. So I think it was so lovely what, what Patrick did. And I know he got a little bit of stick from Lower Richard and A Block when he came off, but I'm sure uh, he realised that's just the in-game football stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he'd, he'd expect it. And I saw him have a little smile. So... I just think, you know, in this day and age of fancy footballers and it was just such a wonderful, lovely touch from him. And uh, yeah, I think it was hopefully appreciated by them all. I'm sure it was. Yeah, hopefully so. Hopefully so. Right. uh, We shall leave it there. Thanks very much to everyone who's watched along. Drop lots of comments in. Much appreciated as ever. And as I always say, do like, subscribe, give us a good review, spread the word. It all very much helps. Greg, thank you very much. You going back to bed? No, I'm on nights this week, so nights and then early train to Fulham on uh, Saturday doing a little pub crawl down the river before the game. I might might stay off the beer, actually, but we'll see. I don't oh, believe that for a minute. <laughs> it's a great away day, isn't it? It's the best. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, true. Gary, thank you very much. A pleasure. Absolute pleasure. We shall see everyone. I don't think we'll do a Thursday one this week. My rope is a bit of a mare, so it'll probably be this time next week we'll be back. So in the meantime, have a good week, everyone. Enjoy Fulham, and we shall see you soon.